What's up, guys? It's Captain Cook. Welcome back to Spicy Memories, the podcast where we talk about food and life and stuff. I am joined today with an extra special guest because it's somebody who has been in my life. Oh, I don't know. Uh, what are we talking now? 22, 23 years? More than that, right? I, I think it's around there. You're, you're one of my... We haven't consistently seen each other every single year, but you've been in my life longer than a lot of my... Most of my current friends, actually, probably yeah. right now, which is insane. Uh, I am joined with Sam from Calamity the Kid, a fucking great band. Uh, Sam is based out of California at the moment, but you were in New York uh, some years ago when you were in college, right? Yeah. Uh, you were in NYU, where I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, my, I haven't burned out all my brain cells, you double majored in music and economics. Is that correct? I did. Jesus well. Christ. <laughs> well, what happened was, you know, I, did, I never could have gotten into that school for anything other than music. And so when I was there, I figured, you know, fuck it, I might as well steal a degree while I'm here. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that you got in at all, especially to NYU, that's like, come on. That's like, you know, that's not just like that school. That's like, you know, come on, it's NYU. Um, the reason that I brought Sam on today is because aside from the fact that he and I are great friends and I, he's one of the few people who I love 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 talking to food about food and music too um i'm curious about you know your more recent development in your music a little bit because it's changed a lot in the past like 15 mm. years a lot you know i mean when you were a teenager compared to like now you were still playing music which we'll get into a little bit if you want but it's vastly different from what you're kind of doing now and i'm kind of curious a little bit about the evolution of that um, we'll talk about a little bit of food and, uh, but yeah, welcome to fucking spicy memories, man. I'm so happy to see you right now. This is crazy. Like, this is like, I usually, I bring people on usually that I'm not like too familiar with. And I usually try to get to know them a little bit on the show, but like, this mm-hmm. is different. Cause it's like, you're somebody who I like genuinely love talking to about this shit. So this is going to be, uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, well, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. So truly before, excited before anything let's plug your new fucking song that is awesome your new single <laughs> um was it all of my friends die in the end right yeah all of my friends will die in the end all of my friends will die in the end by calamity the kid you could find it on spotify especially um probably apple music spotify right amazon yep. i'm assuming everywhere right um, everywhere and just check out calamity the kid in general uh the music is fucking awesome but that song especially i'm gonna see if i can slice it in at some point in the middle of the episode, yeah, I'm going to sure. put it in because I think with my podcast host, it's hooked up. It's owned by Spank, uh, um, Spotify. So I think I can put in songs that are on Spotify. So if I can okay, stick your song in the middle of the podcast so people can hear it for like at least a bit, then we do that. But if not, just uh, pretend like we did and everybody go listen to it right now. Uh, so that's, that'll be good. Um, all right. So first things first, what um, <laughs> there's so many different questions I want to fucking ask. All right. So the last time you and I saw each other, let's start with that. The last time we saw each other, I believe it was around 2015 in Brooklyn, yes. right? You were living in Greenpoint at the point at mm-hmm. the time. And we had cooked a meal with, I remember uh, what it was. You do. I do too. With, <laughs> with, uh, we cooked a meal with Dash, your, your friend Dash uh-huh. who is an incredible chef, by the way, Dash is, uh, he's, he's fucking awesome. He's such a good chef. And uh, we, the two of us were making this like insane penne vodka dish, I believe, right? With um, the most evil Spanish onion that you've ever had in your entire <laughs> life. I don't know what it was, but Sam and I started cutting this large Spanish onion 
And for some reason, we were fucking dying. Like, we could not stop crying. And that always happens with onions, especially if my knife hasn't been sharpened in a few days. Mm -hmm. But this was, like, on another level. This was, like, something else. This was fucking woof. It was a demon onion. I'm also – I'm not sure how much of that vodka actually made it into the pasta. (laughs) So (laughs) – That's true. We bought, like – we bought this, like, shitty, shitty, shitty just, like, pint of, like, hobo vodka, basically. You know, stuff that's, like (laughs) – the stuff that's like you know like five dollars for a little pint or whatever and we just used it because it just gets reduced in the sauce with the onions and shit but i, I we yeah we ended up drinking a bit of it while also cooking and then dash came by while we were cooking and then with the penny vodka he made a soft polenta from scratch and he actually really? yeah he showed me how to make the soft polenta which is similar to risotto you basically have to like put the liquid in and just keep stirring it which i didn't know because I was used to the old New York Italian polenta, which is they just bake it and it cuts like squares. Mm. But he, he made like good, like soft polenta from real semolina. I was like, Jesus Christ. So I don't remember that. Yeah, he, that. And he also brought a bottle of wine that changed color the longer it was open, hmm. which I even, I think I even messaged him about that like three years later. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck was that bottle of wine that you brought from the Chelsea market? that changed and he was like i don't even remember so i've just been having this wine in my head all these years but that was a great meal that was actually that was a good day I, if i remember correctly i think i came a little earlier mm-hmm. we hung out we shopped and then we cooked and then i think at the end of the night didn't we meet up with Brittany, who my now wife, we did. and her friends mm-hmm. and then we went to the bazaar right the brooklyn mm-hmm. bazaar which That's is right. not in the same location as what you and i went to Oh, really? uh, and if anyone here is listening, I know there are Brooklyn people who listen. So if you're in Greenpoint, we were at the old bazaar location. But um, yeah, so since then, and shortly after you graduated, right, you've just pretty much been on the West Coast. And yeah. I'm curious about the evolution of your music. Because when you were a teenager, I want to say around 15, 16, you were in a band mm-hmm. called Front Runner, if I'm remembering <laughs> correctly, right? Yes. And that was a like balls to the wall fucking awesome heavy fucking rock bet that you you guys you fucking rocked that shit was insane and i can say this on the podcast because i've been saying it for my a lot of my life sam is easily one of the best guitarists that i physically like in person have ever met and like no and not just because of your like insane skill which you have it's also like your composition and like theory like what i've noticed about your songs is you know, you can lay down a solo better than anyone that I've ever met, but you don't always do that when you, you just know how to compose a really good song. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different skill than just being technically very good at guitar. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people that are technically very good at guitar, like, you know, 90% of the metal musicians that I know, but like when it comes to like, no offense, but like, um, you know, when it comes to actually putting together a song, yeah, I'm curious about your process because I want to try to align it a little bit with like cooking and a little mm-hmm. bit down the line of the show. Totally. But like, so what's the process like as well? Yeah. Just what's your process? If you're looking to start something from scratch and I'm saying yeah. you don't even have like a melody that you've been humming in your head that you're trying to get down, just like raw. I think, you know, these days, um, first of all, thank you for saying all that. That's very, you're, you're very, very sweet of you to say. I don't know how, you know, like these days I don't play as much. I don't play as much guitar, honestly, as I, as I wish I, I would. And I think like, I've definitely, definitely lost some guitar skills there, but I think it, it really, it comes it, like a new song or something like that starts in a lot of different ways in the way that I imagine a new dish does for you. Like for me, sometimes a lot of my songs will start honestly with just a song title and somebody will say something to me 
Oh, and that gives you like a little bit of a spark just to like, a yeah. And I'm like, wow, that, that would be like, if I just saw that on a record, I'd be like, damn, what is that song about? And then I try and figure that out and then kind of go from there. Sometimes it's a melody. Sometimes it's just like, I'll just be fucking around and making music. And then I'll have this, this instrumental track that now needs a song, you know? So it really kind of, it comes from a lot of different places. Um, and it's, uh, What's the total like turnaround? I wouldn't say turnaround time. That sounds oh, very, God. that sounds logistical. But let's let what's the average? Would you say oh. like, like from when you and obviously now obviously there's variables to this because I've I've written music you know my life mm-hmm, you know? for sure. Um, so I know that certain songs are like that, right? They're just like a fucking flash, and next thing you know, it's done. Other ones, it's like six months later, and you're like, oh shit, this is years, bro. Yeah, years sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the problem I have is that like I'll. I'll, I, my interest in a song what, that I'm writing ends pretty much as soon as I feel like I've cracked it. Okay. So like, that'll be like, wow, this is a great chorus. And I'm like, fuck, I have no interest in the rest of this song. And now I have to write two verses and a right. fucking bridge. Like you've got your B section. Now you're like, I don't even care about the A and the C section. Like I just- Exactly. It's like, and so for me, like, honestly, most of the songs that are coming out on this album later this year, all of my friends will die in the end was the, is the first single. Most of these songs have existed in my life for minimum of like a year and a half, if not five years. Wow. I mean, these songs have been around for so long for a lot of reasons. One of which is that I just have a really hard time finishing these things. You know, is it because you are constantly like revising the other sections that you come up with and you're like, that doesn't, it doesn't tie in. Well, it's like, it's like, you're like, it's not flowing the way you want it to. Is that, I wish, I wish I could say that was the case. (laughs) I wish I could be that person. Who's like, I need this to be perfect. And it's not coming out until I get it right. But the truth is there's very little revisions that go on. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that about once you've hit the course and cracked it, you kind of lose interest. Yeah. I am very similar when I cook, Mm -hmm. with like and this is gonna sound weird but with sauces right Mm. like if i make a sauce let's say for like a burger right which i do a lot and i make a lot of cool burger sauces like because i hate just plain ketchup on a burger or whatever right or Mm -hmm. like you know fucking mayo if you're in canada uh (laughs) sorry um uh, i know a lot of canadians i shouldn't say that sorry um but um like it's i hate that so like i'll make really cool sauces if i make a sauce that's like fucking like i would bottle that and sell it yeah I have no interest in the rest of the meal in a way. Like yeah. I, I'll cook it. I have to, cause I have a human to feed in my home, but uh-huh. like I literally just like, I'm like, I'm all about the sauce. Cause then when I'm mm-hmm. eating it, I'm just thinking about the sauce that I made. And I mean, that's probably why I ended up focusing on hot sauce. I just, I have a fascination with that sauce. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's something that I just, I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten a lot better at. I think I was able to hone in my specific skills, which was my next question. So through all this like crazy songwriting, right. And the evolution mm-hmm. of your music going from, you know, fast pace and, you know, borderline met, not really metal, more like hard rock, heavy rock. I'd mm-hmm. say, you know, heavy on like the Les Paul, especially you had the sunburst Les Paul at the time. Right. <laughs> Fucking, um, yeah. you know, and I love the sound of a good, like sunburst Les Paul. Like when we, when we first started playing with my band back in the day, I was playing on my Strat and it was mm-hmm. a ska punk, reggae band yeah, to begin I remember with that. yeah mm-hmm. and then it turned into eventually it turned into like uh like early chili peppers kind of hardcore funk a little bit i guess uh-huh. uh before everyone just basically was like yeah we can't do this anymore 
Um, so, but before then I, we were in a punk ska band and I was playing with a strat and like, you know, we had or whatever. And my guitarist, Kevin, who I think you've met, um, mm-hmm. same he, sounds familiar. Yeah. He literally had this like beautiful, like Brown sunburst, uh, Les Paul. And when mm-hmm. he would play ska, it sounded like, you know, he had the ska, he had the twang up and then he would hit the switch and he would go to solo. And there was this powerful fucking like mm. crazy heavy rock influence. And I was just like, yo. And so it's not just a Les Paul. You have to be able to play good guitar, obviously, but it's not, I'm not saying like, it's not to pick a destiny. Like it's not, you know, it's not, it's not like picking up an instrument's going to make you that much better, but there's something about that sound. So yeah. you going from living in that world now to, I don't know how you would even classify your newest song. I mean, it's not like, it's not like dreamy kind of pop. It's not really like dream pop or anything. It's not like, it's not, there's no, like, I don't know. Like, how would you actually categorize it if you could? Yeah. I think it's probably closest to like alt pop, you know, alt like pop. I like that. Okay. Alt. Cause I feel like alt rock suddenly, like it's, it's not really that rock, but it's not really full on pop either. And I feel like there is this kind of like genre of alternative pop, you know, maybe indie pop. But I'm also, I'm a big advocate of just like, of just like, it's, it's just, it's good music, you know, similar to For like sure. when people cook food. I have many times on the show said how I think the word authenticity is kind of bullshit a little bit, mm. like mm. how, you know, if somebody's trying to make like an authentic, you know, X cuisine or whatever, you know, I, I'm not saying everybody should be doing fusion. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, if you want to look up the history of, you know, a specific cuisine that you're going to make, you know, or yeah. if you want to look up the the history of a specific kind of song that you want to write, like you're like, I have this alt pop kind of rhythm in my head, but you go and you listen to all, you know, big hit fucking or not even big hit, you know, uh, alt pop songs and you want to try to get, you know, some influences. You want to educate yourself. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to be creating it. So like you can kind of yeah. deciding factor whether or not you're going to categorize it. So you know, I I'm think, not a huge fan of like categorizing songs like that, but I don't know. I yeah. mean, how would you, how would you say? Well, I kind of feel like I, I it's funny because I don't think I probably listen to any alt pop music, you know, like what I think of right. as alt pop and, and what I think the bands that maybe people would think I sound like. I don't really listen to any of them. I I really just listen to a lot of stuff across the board. Like, um, I've been listening to the new Kendrick album That's on fucking, repeat. I heard it, yeah. It's fucking awesome. For the he's, last couple of weeks. He puts out such good music. Like He's so <laughs> fucking good, dude. Even that last album was like, and even Britney fucking loved it, which was like, because like she used to listen to rap back in the day. And then mm-hmm. once we started dating, that was kind of when it started kind of going downhill for her with rap. But then that came out in 2016 or 15, whatever that was, that last album. Mm-hmm. Um, damn. damn. And it was, it, we both just listened to it nonstop on repeat. And then this new album came out and I've been listening to it all like not, it's fucking, it's like, was, um, uh, the heart, the heart of life. No, what is it? Not the heart of life. Was it, uh, the name of the album? No, there's this one song that I've been, the heart to. part five. There you go. The heart part five that I've been listening yeah. to that like nonstop. Um, but yeah, Kendrick's new album is fucking awesome. But I mean, I would assume that your Spotify shuffle is similar to mine and where it's like, you have, it's like you, even you sometimes need to like pause because you're like, this is jumping around way too much. Like, yeah. this is like, like that's that where I get sometimes with my, when yeah. I just hit shuffle, all like songs. I'm like, okay. So I just heard uh, like Yo-Yo Ma doing Beethoven. Right. Okay. Uh, oh. Or Yo-Yo Ma. Do, yeah. Right. And then after Yo, have, that, I'm like, you know. Go ahead. No, no, go, 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 go. I just, I was driving home today and I heard the Fiona Apple 
cover of um, of the theme to Willy Wonka. What's the name of that? Uh, yeah, na, pure, na, pure imagination, right? Yes, her her covering that song, and I couldn't find it on Spotify afterwards, but it is unbelievable. Really, it's insane. Right, I don't know. Write this down because I love that fucking song. I don't know uh, where it is. Like, I don't. I'm sure if you can, you can find it on YouTube. I don't think it's on Spotify, but it's amazing. Yeah, Fiona Apple, uh, Fiona Apple, Pure Imagination. It's on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. Um. It might. Maybe it was just like a single that wasn't released on Spotify for some reason. I don't know. I think they it might was, have recorded it for the movie. I was gonna say, yeah. Here we go. Scarecrow is the name of the movie. I think. Oh. Uh, Chipotle. What does it say? Fucking something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I. I get. Yeah. It must have been. Yeah. The Scarecrow. Okay. It was. It looks. Hmm. It was a Vimeo movie. So it looks like it was a short that she wrote it for. I guess. Oh. Or something like it was like a imagination to it. Yeah. For Chipotle is the name of the movie. Uh, <laughs> which. That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. Here. Oh, here we go. Oh, wait, no, I'm such an idiot. Okay, it was for Chipotle, the company. That's not the name of the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, if you because they're like, will, yeah. I'm like, Chipotle is like, you need to use your imagination when you eat our burritos. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how not authentic yeah, they exactly. are. No, Chipotle is not, I wouldn't say authentic. Not even a little bit. Oh, my God. Chipotle is great for what it is, but it's not like if you're like, I want authentic Mexican cuisine. Like, you're not going to go to Chipotle. Like, no. Um, I have a question for you. Sure. If something, so going back to your question about the word authentic, yes. can something be authentic and bad or does authentic, authenticism? Authenticism. Yeah, that's a word. Imply that it is good. No. See, all right. I think that, I mean, bad to me is like subjective a little bit, right? It's kind of like the person has to define if it's bad usually. Um, but authentic it just kind of means, I think like it's the quintessence, I guess you could say, right. It's like the, it's like the epitome of what that, you know, is like, you know, if you wanted to do like, you know, authentic tacos al pastor, right. Right. That's not some dude on a griddle throwing pineapple chunks inside (laughs) of him that he's, or pork that he's, you know, sauteing authentic pastor is on the actual like shawarma spit with the pineapple in the middle and the pork layered around it. Like that's like to me, you know, so, 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 authentic is not in any way you feel a degree of quality no it's not a degree of quality it's, it's i think i, I agree think with that it's more like if you're trying to go quote unquote authentic yeah. it would be i guess whatever's closest to the origin root of what that dish really means right like if you're doing a real duck confit yeah. um you know actually cooking it in the actual french way of like you know doing it under the duck fat and like all that mm-hmm. shit like not just hacking it in the oven um that would be authentic. That doesn't necessarily mean everyone's going to love it. It doesn't mean it's great. It doesn't mean that there aren't better ways to make it. There's lots sure. of other ways to make, like an authentic poached egg is a great example. Mm. An authentic poached egg is in a shallow pan, not a, not a pot, a shallow pan where mm. it's just floating a little bit in the water, right? So it's just submerged. But like I always take my, you know, any day bowls that uh, David Chang started slinging recently and I do them in the microwave now because they're mm-hmm. like, if you submerge them in water and you cook it with these bowls, it comes out perfect every time. That is not an authentic like poached egg, sure. but it doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, I think it tastes better because it's literally exact every single time. Bro, were you the one who told me about the microwave egg where you put like, I feel like it was you or maybe even your mom. Oh yeah, it was definitely my mom. My, pa- my parents used this all the time. So they would do one minute for one egg and they'd crack it in a bowl usually. And then they, I think they would cover it and they would cook it for like a minute 
And then mm-hmm. after that, it just, it came out and it was always cooked and it was always perfect. It was just like uh, a quick way to like, I thought it was like you put an egg in a, in a mug, oh, then shit, like cheese right. okay. and oh tomato. Yes. Like it was okay. a whole dish. Yeah. So like you can, you can basically make like a, like a makeshift mini fucking like, um, what's that thing called? Like a, like a shakshuka a little bit, yeah. <laughs> like a, like a mini version of that in a cup. Yeah. You could absolutely do that. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing about a microwave is I think a lot of people shit on it who are traditional chefs, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a microwave, but it's not meant to be your only source of induction. It's just a tool. Like if you use it as a tool in the kitchen, <laughs> you could help. I'm not saying cook all your fucking meals in the microwave. Like, like I use the microwave as a tool. Like if we're making veggies for the night, I have a lot of frozen veggies because I can't always make it to the store. Frozen veggies usually, by the way, are picked when they're most ripe. So in a way they're actually more nutritional than the fresh produce. And, um, you know, I use the microwave to defrost them, but then I usually saute them or broil them and get them nice and crispy because I'm not into mushy shit. So like, (laughs) like that's, that's using the microwave as like, as like a tool, but as far as like authenticity, um, yeah, I, it does not equate to good to me. Well, you know, that's, yeah. If you're making like a uh, TV dinner then the authentic way to make your TV dinner, right, would be, be to put microwave. it in the microwave. Yeah. If you did that, if you, if you said those words, if you're putting a TV dinner in the microwave and you're like, this is the authentic way before you even finish the sentence, the universe just implodes because all of a sudden it's like, no, you can't say that while you're putting something in the microwave. That's, it doesn't work. So the universe would just implode and we'd all be gone. So, uh, like, Don't put that shit in the oven. Yeah, exactly. I want that cooked authentically. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh man. Oh, lovely. Zoom gave us my 10 minute warning. All right. Uh, so yeah, anyway, but yeah, so I, authentic, authenticism is something I've touched upon on the show. I think it does not equate to good to me. And this goes for not just food, but also music. I mean, you know, if I wanted to write a song that had a lot of like Irish influence, right. And I wanted mm-hmm. like a little bit of like, maybe like a fiddle or a little bit of like a banjo in there, or even like some bags or something like that um, on the bag. Uh, you know, I, I, it wouldn't be an authentic Irish tune. Like it wouldn't be a jig, but it would, but it would, you know, have Irish influence. So I wouldn't be able to call it like authentic Irish music. That doesn't mean that it's bad necessarily. So yeah, authenticism does not equate to bad. And I think people get hung up on that. Like when they're trying to learn how to cook, right. Mm -hmm. Or even learn how to write music. You know, you want to, I think people are afraid to, and this is another reason why I wanted to also talk to you about this and bring you on. I think a lot of people are afraid to weave in and out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. and kind of sure. go outside of their lane and you know everyone always says like stay in your lane right that's like somebody saying to you when you're 16 like you play hard rock really well just stick with that right like you know it's yeah like i mean many, you know how many pentatonic scales can you rip on for you know over and over and over until you don't know, test me yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the right answer um, um yeah i think for me and music the the the, the songs that have always been the best I think that I have written and the productions that have always been the best have always been the ones where I'm like, Ooh, this might be too different. I I don't think this is me. Right. And I think like this, this most recent single, all of my friends will die in the end. That is one where I, I made that track and I was like, ah, this, this doesn't feel like it's me. And then what I've come to realize over the course of, of you know making music for half my life is that what is authentic is the voice and the creator it's not what you're creating you know because if you uh, think the authentic 
if you are getting mild like imposter syndrome with authenticity, what you're saying is it's more um, like it's more inverse. It's more like onto, onto the self. You're more like this doesn't feel authentic like as me. Not like this doesn't feel like all pop. Like that's not the question that's at hand. It's more like this doesn't feel like it's like me. Authentic, you know what I mean? And I, and I also think that like I strongly believe that generally in life, but especially in creative endeavors, when you are suddenly a little afraid, that's you're moving in the right direction. Right. Like when you're just comfortable making the same shit over and over again, it's probably not that interesting. But when you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure my feet can touch the bottom here, you're moving in the right direction. Right. And, and I think that's probably applicable to life too. It's applicable to life, to cooking, everything. Because yeah. if you're not a little bit scared and unsure of how it's going to end up turning out, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just repetitive and you know how it's going to turn out. So you need that like uncertainty like a little tiny bit, I think. Uh, I, which... I literally – go ahead, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I literally have a post-it stuck to my computer here that says, follow the fear. Really? Truly. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Dude, that's, see, that is a catchphrase that more people should have because staying within your lane, staying within your comfort zone and stuff, you're never going to learn anything. You're never going to try new things. And then it's going to be a vicious circle because you're going to end up being disappointed with the monotony, right? And it's the, the simple, just mundane fucking repetitiveness that you're going to be living. And mm-hmm. so- being a little bit worried and a little bit afraid of what is going to end up coming in the future because of something that you're doing. That's the way to really live. I mean, that's the way to write music, how to cook. That's how to live life. I think, you know, and I think so too. Um, I'm not saying people should just go start like jumping out of airplanes and shit. That's not, you know, I mean, you can do that if you want, but uh, that's you're fine. But like, what I'm saying is I think a lot of people get into routines and not just with their daily life, but also with whatever their hobbies or habits is, you know, like if yeah. any kind of craft that you're trying to hone, you need to be able to kind of wiggle out of the comfort zone like a little bit and you, you have to find your edge. Yeah, exactly. You got to find, yeah, you got to find where the edge is for you. If there is one, cause some people, mm-hmm. there isn't one. Sometimes you think you're getting to the edge finally, and then you finish what you're doing. And then you're like, no, I still got, I still got some more room. This is like, you know, sure. so like I, yeah, I, I like that approach a lot. And so, all right, here's a, <clears throat> here's an interesting, interesting question. Then if you could sit down and have a meal, with mm-hmm. one musician, dead or alive, yeah. <clears throat> any musician, who would it be? Damn, that's such a good question. Yeah, that's the because like that adds the other layer of like, okay, there's whomever you would want to meet and speak with, but then the question of who do you want to eat with is a totally different conversation. Totally different. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's such you a good w- question. Like you wouldn't want to have a meal with Elton John, circa 1977. <laughs> Because he would just literally be just doing blow the entire time. Like well, yeah, like you wouldn't be able to eat. He would just be like jixed up the whole time, basically. <laughs> okay, so let's think for a second. Uh, my first, the first thing that popped into my head was Iggy Pop. Oh, shit, okay. But I don't know, like I was going to go, okay, Iggy Pop in the Berlin years, but I don't know how much they were eating back then. Yeah, no, Same problem. Yeah, you saw no? him. Not a lot. Yeah, like, you saw how he looked with his shirt off. Everybody does. I also just like have a feeling he's vegan. Yeah, I, think I don't know be. why. Yeah, I feel he like he might be. He gives off that vibe of vegan, but I don't know. He was friends with Anthony Bourdain, so maybe he wasn't vegan. That's but, true. You know, but I don't know. I fucking miss that guy. Damn. Um, that's, that's a, a good. Thing. That's a that's a good answer though. Uh, Iggy Pop. I uh, he would definitely be somebody I would love to sit down with. I think for me it would be along those lines. I think it would be somebody from like the seventies <laughs> punk kind of era who I'd love to sit down and talk with, like. A lot. Like I would, I know for a fact that I would not enjoy this meal 
and I'd be mm. terrified for my life. But I would love to sit down and have a meal with the Dead Boys when they had mm. first started at CBGB's. And I know that I'd probably, there's like a 50-50 chance I'd be kicked out of wherever the fuck I was. Like, they were insane. But that's the kind of people that I usually end up gravitating towards when I think about, like, who would I really want to sit down and, like, gouge as far as, like, their mind? You know what I mean? There's something... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah, there's something... There's something to be said about, I think, eating with Frank Sinatra, too. Because, like, (laughs) you would probably learn so much about... Just, like, he he could, like, not even speak... But just the process of eating with him, you would learn so much about that generation and about yeah. that moment in time, you know? Yeah. yeah, especially, I mean, he was, I don't know, he, I've never, I still to this day have yet to find a voice like that, that has transcended so many different generations. And For sure. I'm, I love Frank Sinatra, right? And his personal, you know, uh, life aside, because I've heard he was not always the nicest of humans to you know the the uh, the, uh, the common folk, I guess you could say, um, yeah. you know, because he was he was Frank Sinatra. He had his Rat Pack. He had celebrity. You know, he was he was a he was a big time celebrity. But I st- I'm, I struggle to find another voice that's really transcended that many generations yeah. that long. Still to this day, I mean, it's just it's it's a it's- little crazy. It's one of those things that I think like when you're a kid growing up and all your parents are like, oh yeah, Frank Sinatra is, you know, great singer, the best. You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Then you get older and you're like, oh wow. It just just cuts. And especially if you, you had the benefit of, you know, you lived permanently on the West Coast, but you spent a lot of time in New York uh, Mm -hmm. because your grandmother lived in New York. And so Frank Sinatra like is the voice of New York. He really is. I mean, he was New York. And like, that's the voice, like the second people hear New York City, that's mm-hmm. like a song of his is like what you expect, you know, like New York, New York, sure. I mean, it's, fuck, it's one of the best songs like ever written. And so I don't know. It's just, it's it, like you said, when you're younger, you're like, what the fuck? I don't care about that shit. You know, it's like, and it helps if you've got parents like, you know, like your mom and like my parents who will mm-hmm. happily let you listen to whatever the fuck you want. Pretty much, you know, I mean, I didn't really have any restrictions as far as music. I'm no. sure you, I don't think you did either. Because um, no. I knew people that wouldn't be able to listen to certain things. Like, you know, like when Sum 41 came out with All Killer No Filler in 2001, <laughs> right? And I was like 10. My yeah. mom drove me to Sam Goody to go buy it. Yeah. And like it had the little parental advisory warning on the corner of the CD. Yeah. And she was like, is that bad? I'm like, no, nah, don't worry about it. I was like, it's good. <laughs> like, you know, and then I listened to it at like 10 and I'm like, oh my God, he just said shit. Yeah. It's like, you know, I was like. But uh, yeah, I didn't have any restrictions as far as what I could listen to. But I mean, has there been a band in the past, like, I don't know, five years that has helped you find a little bit more of your groove maybe in like your songwriting? Like, have you listened to somebody where you're like, this has changed like how I kind of want to approach writing Mm -hmm. a song or I don't know, or maybe just an influence that you didn't expect like 10 years ago? For me, there are, there are bands that inspire me to make music and their music you know there is music that i get excited about making music from and i have to kind of like i have to be careful when i listen to those bands or that music because if i can't go and make music after that i find it very frustrating and they kind of like hype me up when i don't want to be hyped um but i think in terms of like a band that has made me change my approach or at least like i would yeah, I would say, you know, Eve Toomer. No, I've never heard of him. He he put out a record. Um, I think it was last year or the year before, uh, called 
heaven to a tortured mind. Okay. And, and it sounds like nothing else. Right. I, I mean, it's, it sounds like if, if Jimi Hendrix existed today and was, and like had listened to a bunch of nine inch nails records. Really? It, it literally sounds like nothing else. Okay. You and, have to, you have to text me that. Eve, Eve Toomer, you said? Eve Toomer. Yeah. Y V E S. Oh, Y V E S. Okay. Eve. Also like a French spelling of it. Okay. And so I think for me that listening to that album, it, it was a very freeing experience. Cause I think it made me realize that there literally is no incorrect way to do any of this. All that matters is what works for you. And I think that that's been very kind of empowering for me and that like I've been making music for so long and it's nice to just feel like I can do anything to make a song, you know? And it doesn't Any of it stay, works. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah, have exactly. to stay within specific guidelines. Everything you're saying... I have literally said when we're talking about cooking on the show, like literally, mm-hmm. and it's more proof that it all has to do with you and the individual. And like, you need to find your groove and like what yes. works for you. And like, like I entered the food business as in a slow progression. Like I did not just jump into it and I didn't mm-hmm. do the one of two avenues that everyone basically gives you like, Oh, you want to cook? Okay. Well you can either become a line cook and make minimum wage and work 12, 13 hour days or go to cooking school. Those were like the two options basically that people lay out for you. And that's not true for every every instance. Like it's not. Like I did not enter the food industry that way and I'm still slowly kind of progressing in. So you have to find what works for you, whether it's music or food, anything like that. And so being able to listen to a band like that that can change like your approach, you know, it's even if you make music that doesn't sound like it, it's not right. about that. It's more oh, about totally. It's more about like you know, you getting some kind of an influence from it to where it makes you want to approach things differently. I think, yeah, I think another one for me was the 1975 where I know was it Matt, uh, Healy, I think. Yeah. Matt Healy. Yeah. My, a friend of mine actually, who I used to work with and knows him, uh, Uh actually. And, uh, yeah, their music when they first put it out, uh, and like when chocolate, first like exploded right Mm -hmm. it was poppy and fucking catchy and i'm like yo this is like really good but it was also like really unique and like the rhythms and like the riffs and i'm like this is like it's 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 not just like a pop hit like this is good music and it i don't know it was very 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 interesting so that was so you're saying that was another band that well it's been so interesting i think to see them develop over the years because yeah when they first came out i think you know, everyone kind of wrote them off. They're like, yeah, they make these like pop songs about sex that girls like to listen to, but there's no substance there. And over the course of, I don't know, four records now, I think think they have three or four. Yeah. I think they have a fifth one coming. Everyone has like slowly changed their tune about them. And it's funny because if like, if my 16 or 18 year old self heard me listening to the 1975 He'd kick the shit out of me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, but I realize now, like listening to those records, that those records are amazing. Like for a lot of different reasons, those records are really, really good. And I think for for me, listening to that was like, there is so much music that I don't feel comfortable making because I'm embarrassed about it. Right. Not, not because anyone else has an opinion about it, but because I think it would be embarrassing. And I think 
what's so fun about them is like they made this music that everyone else was like, hey, you should be embarrassed right. about this music. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. And now everyone's like, damn, the 1975 are really good. Yeah. And they're not we, just this. Because I think when Chocolate came out and that album dropped, I feel like a lot of people just kind of threw them into that category of the one hit wonder pop hit that'll be popular this year. And then you won't really hear from yeah. them again. That's, I think that was like an automatic response from a lot of people, <clears throat> which happens with a lot of bands, you know, I mean, a lot of bands, you know, it takes a long time sometimes for them to evolve in their music, I guess you could say, you know, and not everybody goes along for the ride. That's the for difference. sure. But so, I think, I think the lesson from them, at least for me, is that like we are dynamic human beings. Sometimes we want to eat soup. Sometimes we want to eat chicken. Sometimes we just want a fucking salad. And all of that is okay. Yeah. You know, doesn't matter and doesn't say anything about you. You just got to like do and eat and listen to the things that you truly find nourishing to yourself. It doesn't, yeah, it does not, like a lot of people will restrict themselves on what they cook because they feel like they shouldn't be cooking something, right? Mm. And there's a big difference, and this is where the whole authenticity thing comes into play. There's a big difference between cooking a meal or writing a song in the hopes of doing it better Mm -hmm. than the original authentic, you know, whatever. Like if you look at something, you're like, I can make this book better. Like, yeah, you could better to you. Like, you know, like, you know, not to be a dick, but like better to you, like, but you know, it's not about that. Right. It's, it's not having those restrictions, like not feeling embarrassed about listening to that song or like eat or making that dish. Like, you know, if I wanted to make Korean birthday soup, uh, which I believe is called uh, Miyogok, right. And it's not a popular, popular Korean dish that you see a bunch of people, you know, on Sunset Boulevard or whatever, fucking making on the bulgogi, you know, grill. It's not like that. It's it's a it's a family, like weird, not slimy, but like just a weird, thick, brothy fucking birthday soup that people usually do as like a tradition. They don't even see it as like that special. But like, if I wanted to make that, I could look up the history of it and look at the ins and outs of it, and I could make it. And I shouldn't feel embarrassed about trying to make it. I'm not doing it for exploitation. I'm not doing it for the purpose of trying to make it better. The same mm-hmm. way that you know, if you wanted to listen to, you know. Uh, you know, Eve Toomer, right? And you wanted to make something similar to that. You're not doing it in hopes of topping that artist. Like you're not doing it in the hopes of like, you know, doing a better version of it. Like you're doing it because it struck a chord with you for some reason, literally. Yeah. Nice pun. Mm. Nice little little music pun there. Uh, <laughs> woo. Uh, sorry. But like, I, so I think your approach that you're describing mm-hmm. is not just about music. It is applicable to like everything, which this also ties into why I wanted to bring you on because I've talked with you a lot about a lot of shit. And this is the kind of approach that you've pretty much always had. Like you've never really been close minded about anything like per se. Like, I mean, I, when it comes to when I, whenever I've talked with you, I mean, whether it was music I've shown you or vice versa or dishes Mm -hmm. we wanted to cook or anything, like anything like that, you've, you know, you'll hang out with anybody you'll do, you know, you, having an open mind is one of the most vital tools that somebody could have because it doesn't just allow you to experience new things. It allows you to experience new things having to do with yourself. And that's the oh, main, sure. that's the main thing that, that you understand clearly and that people do not always get. You know, I haven't, I've never really thought about this before, but in thinking about it now and in, in talking to you about, you know, music and cooking and, you know, life and all that, 
thinking about it now, you know, all of the lessons that I feel I've had to learn in life have been brought to me through music, you know, like all of, I think the things that I've um, struggled with or, you know, internal kind of stuff, it always showed up in, in music first. And in some ways it was kind of like a test ground where I got to like, got to practice having to getting to work through these things in the mirror of music and then be able to kind of apply it to my life. And I think, you know, just like music or just like any artistic endeavor, you know, cooking is the same way there. God, like cooking can anger me in ways that so few (laughs) things can, right? Like it's such a place of like having to face yourself and of having to, it's so, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I, I just compared this I think on my last episode to playing golf mm. um, because oh cooking, my God. cooking is like golf for the one specific reason anything that goes really well or anything that goes really shitty is one thousand percent your fault yeah and totally. that's that's what it, like if you're ever playing golf with somebody and they try to blame like the wind just walk away don't even don't even finish the round like just leave right or, I feel like. like I I would have a better chance at playing football than I would at playing golf. At playing golf because I mean, you, can, you can rely on other people. But yeah. Oh my God. It has to be the hardest sport. It's just frustrating. It's not even that it's the hardest. It's just, it's quiet. And mm-hmm. there's this anxiety that builds right before you swing where, you know, it's like this feeling sinks in that, you know, everything about to happen is a hundred percent on your shoulders. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, if you fuck up one little thing, this thing is going right into the woods and you know, there's obviously techniques and rhythms and stuff like that, but like, it's the same thing with baseball. Like what did Yogi Berra, the Yankee say about baseball? He said 90% of baseball is half mental. I think that's what he said. And it's, um, which doesn't really make sense, but it, it, what he was trying to say too, is like, there are certain points that you need to kind of like allow yourself to just kind of be in the process. Right. Mm -hmm. And being in that individual kind of process with cooking too, which is extremely therapeutic as golf can be for some people, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. you know, or writing a song, listening to music, playing music, you know, you need to allow yourself to kind of just jump into that process. So, Mm -hmm. and that's a good transition into my next question, which would be like, when you do cook, because you are Mm -hmm. a very good cook, by the way, I should, I should tell people that you have had an interest in food, for many, many, many years. And you've surrounded yourself with some people that are extremely good cooks. Um, yourself present, included. I was going to say present company included. No, uh, <laughs> that'd be, imagine uh, you're like, wow, Chris became a dick. Um, <laughs> but like, what do you, do you have specific music or like songs or bands that you listen to while you cook that keep you in that rhythm? Or are you just kind of, are you just like silent in the kitchen? Um, you know, I, so I just moved in with my girlfriend and congrats, by the way, congrats. Thank you very much. And she has terrific music taste. And so I kind of like, I feel like I spend so much time making music and music is kind of like my job to a, to a large degree that I often just kind of like let her choose the music when we're cooking. Cause she's, she's a chef. She's a very good cook as well. And, uh, I kind of just let her let her handle the music when we're cooking. If if she hasn't put something on, I I kind of forget. Like it doesn't occur to me to put music on, and then when it does, it's it's generally the Eagles. Really, 
for some reason, when I'm cooking, it's like, oh, yeah, I should put music on. That'll be fun. What should I put on? Mm, eagles. <laughs> You're just like dicing an onion and desperado fucking. <laughs> it, it really changes the whole vibe in a pretty positive way, you know? You're like, God damn, this onion, it won't be here forever. And oh neither will I. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> you get really existential with it real quick. <laughs> It's like, oh man, it's like, I wonder why the onions are coloring that way. Well, I guess it's temporary. <laughs> Everything is temporary. Oh my God. Like you just like onto a fucking spiral. Um, Lying eyes is, of the onion. I should try. I should try the Eagles when I cook. Recently, it's been a little heavier for me. I recently have been listening to a lot of metal. Okay. And like, like what? What are we talking? Like children of Bodom. I recently got into oh, okay. and I was really, really upset because I listened. I, I finally listened to them for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. And then I watched a full YouTube concert and that lead guitarist and lead singer, Alexi Leo, I think his name was, he was fucking amazing. He did all the leads, all the solos and he sang and he was mm-hmm. doing these crazy complicated guitar parts while he's singing on stage. And I looked all it up and then I like looked him up online and I'm like, motherfucker he died in 2019 i was like son of a bitch so because he was like he was insane he was like 41 he had done so much damage to his pancreas and liver from drinking and when he died they found anti-anxiety uh insomnia and like opiates like all in his system fuck with alcohol it's just yeah it was he was like 41 too he was young but i uh, i've been listening to a lot of children about him when i cook uh and ghost I got into okay. Ghost recently because uh, years and years and years ago, my, uh, I was about to say my girlfriend's uncle, yikes, my wife's <laughs> uncle, um, who was my girlfriend at the time, uh-huh. he in 2015, 16, when they were first getting known a little bit, he yeah. showed me one of their shows and I see this guy in a giant robe and the big tall hat and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they started singing and it's like, I don't know, it's like Alice Cooper went like a little more 80s metal and I'm like, mm-hmm. or like 70s rock and I'm like, that's a little little weird. Yeah. And especially recently, mm-hmm. the newest album they put out, I'm going to send you a song after this. That's the cool. first like real song from their album. It's called uh, Kaiserion and it is insane. It sounds like a beautiful like 80s glam rock fucking ballad with like Rush influences in there. It's weird. It's, fun. it's so God, cool. Their new Rush. album is so good. Um. And so I've been listening to a lot of metal, which I've realized I do that because it kind of allows me to mentally check out while I'm cooking. Because if I got too much racing through my mind, I'm going to fuck something up. I fuck things up cooking all the time. And because I know that I know what I'm doing, I get Mm -hmm. twice as angry than other people probably do. Like (laughs) if I fuck up cooking an egg, my day is ruined. Like I literally, like (laughs) like I can't, I can't, I'm not going to have a good day after that. Like it's just, it's not a fun time. So when I listen to metal, I think when I'm cooking, it kind of allows me to mentally check out a little bit yeah. where I can kind of focus, uh, focus, Jesus Christ, focus on, <laughs> on honing in. Uh, can't edit that out. Uh, so I'm going to like focus on like kind of honing in on everything. And I should probably try to, you know, cause I used to listen to more um, like, like Cuban music a little bit. Okay. Right? For and like sure. a little more like stuff like that. Like very kind of like, um, like Oye Como Va kind of songs, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just very like kind of like easy songs like that. I want to feel like I'm in a kitchen, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to get that kind of vibe. Yeah, That worked for a while, but then I needed something a little bit more to kind of mentally pull me out. And like when I would cook with um, my chef, Melissa, she, um, La Jefa, she, when we would cook in the kitchen for, you know, sometimes 10 hours, you know, we'd be playing like spoon and like nine inch nails and like, you know, yeah. crazy shit. And it did the same effect where it like you're hearing every word of every song. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's in your mind and you're singing it while you're doing it. But at the same time, you're just seamlessly 
dicing yeah. and cooking and chopping. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a it's very meditative. cool, yeah, exactly. It's meditative, which cooking can be so therapeutic that I've tried to tell people yeah. so many times, but you know, I, uh, I, it feels that way for me, you know, do you have a specific dish that you is like your go-to? Like if it's <laughs> something that not, not like a greatest hit, no, like, you. you know, but something where you're like, you know, you're going to end up cooking this at some point during the week, like, or something yes. like that, you know, what would that so be? the, so it changes, right? Like it's funny. Cause like we were talking about songwriting and the process of writing and how I have a hard time like finishing some of these songs. Once I've, I've kind of like feel like I've cracked it. Um, I have a very different approach with cooking, which is like, I'll, I'll discover a dish and then I'll just make it over and over and over and yeah. over again until I feel like I've gotten it and I'll eat it like, you know, twice a week for too long and then I'm like, all right, I don't need to eat this again for another three months. And then it kind of comes back into the like once a month rotation, you know? Right. Which is the best way. The, what you just described is the same thing as learning a song. When you find something that you really want to make yeah, and finally getting it. So I, I, so this is what it is for me lately. And I've had to like, I've had to like, no, Sam, you're not going to eat this this week. <laughs> you don't want to ruin this like restrict yourself. next week. Yeah. It's uh there's a name for it. I guess it's like, I can't remember the name of it, but basically it's a very simple dish. It's just, you cook, you saute some onions, mm-hmm. brown some sausage in a pan. Then you put dry pasta into the pan with the sausage okay. and you cook it like a risotto. You add chicken broth and water. Really? And you, yeah. And you cook it. Um, what are the, the fat circular pasta? Uh, ziti, rigatoni, one of those. Uh, yeah, rigatoni. yeah, rigatoni. Rigatoni. Yeah, rigatoni. So I like to use rigatoni. You cook it with chicken broth and water and, you know, it takes like 20 minutes. You keep adding it like a risotto. Like a risotto, yeah. And then at the end, you put like a handful or, or you can use two handfuls of spinach in it, put the top on, let it all come together. And it's so rich. That sounds and it's so good. Awesome. That sounds so good. And I, I, I've never, I've never heard or thought of that technique. Of, I haven't either. Of so, making pasta with like a risotto. I never yes. thought about that. I hadn't either because, like, I love risotto. I make risotto all the time. Yeah. But I had never thought about doing it with dry pasta. It has changed everything, Chris. To, I'm, I'm going to try that. Everything. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I'm going to try that because risotto has become a staple here, and it yeah. wasn't for a lot of years. And it's funny because when I, when I tell people the first dish that I think is therapeutic to make, mm-hmm. if you want to experience cooking as therapy, it's risotto because you can't move. Like you have That's to keep stirring. You have to stay there. You have to be Going present. Nowhere. You have to be, pre- it's like forcing yourself to be there. It's like that night that we cooked and dash had me just keep stirring the polenta. He was, <laughs> he was like, he was like, don't fucking stop. And I'm like, I'm like, that was my first experience of like, all right, this dude's pouring stuff in the pan and I just got to keep turning. This is what it's like to work in a kitchen. Like that was like my first yeah. like, experience with it. And like it's that's the first dish that i tell people is therapeutic so i am going to try that and i'm gonna get my wife to because i love rigatoni we eat rigatoni maybe once every once every 10 days because it's the best it's the best because those little ridges in the side get the sauce or whatever you're making clung inside it's just it's so much better like i love ziti but rigatoni is like the best did you hear about this new pasta shape that's been no. invented? No, what the fuck? This is like, I'm, I'm talking about it like it was recent. Okay, it was probably, it was certainly within the last two years. Yeah, but for pasta, that's still new. That's it is, like, right? Know, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I'll send you an article, I can find it. But okay. it basically looks like 
It's kind of erotic, honestly. I mean, well, now it, I'm really interested. <laughs> I can, I'll bet I can find it right here. Yeah, sure. While Let's, Sam is doing that, we're going to do. Oh, uh, I did. First thing that came first up. First thing that came up. What is it? Cascatelli. Cascatelli. With all C's. Jesus. Oh, so it's probably. Is there any CH in there or no? No. C A S C A T E L L I. Cacciatelli, maybe? Maybe. Because I think the, just the C alone is a ch sound and CH okay. is a key sound. Maybe so. Cacciatelli, maybe. Okay, I gotta it's, look that up. It's erotic. Erotic. All right, that's good. Well, that, that blends perfectly with my brand, so that's that's very good. I'm fucking forcing everybody to call me daddy, so I guess that works. Um, <laughs> but um, so, but yeah, all right. Uh, so that's I. I'm gonna put that on my on my docket, as they say in Boston, mm. uh, to cook. Um, <laughs> so what's all right? So and uh, what's one thing? Because I'm curious, and I want to, as we start to hit the downslope here, not the downslope, but you know, I want to find out what's an ingredient or like a food or something that even 10 years ago, yeah. you were like, fuck that. Like, I'm not fucking with that at all. And something, if there is something like this, that you now all of a sudden are like, yo, this fucking slaps. Like, you're just like, you're like, this is so good. Like, you know. Hmm. Something that, that I because that doesn't always happen with people. Some people just hate mushrooms for like the rest of their life. Like they don't, you know, they'll never like mushrooms. Like that's just how it is. But I don't know. I'm curious if there's something that you've literally come kind of uh, you know, full circle to be like, yeah, this is this is really good. Um you know, I feel like the things that, that I, I I pretty much eat everything except I can't do uni. Yeah, but that's not that's not weird. Uni's a very acquired taste. So And I, I can do like one, maybe two oysters, but Is it the taste or the texture with oysters that gets you? It's it's, it's like the pretty much all of it. Yeah, it's like the slime you gotta it's weird. You gotta slurp it. I, it's I like, don't love you know, the taste. The texture I don't love either. But you know, like all my friends are like, you know, like Dash, amazing chef you should see this dude take on oysters. Like sure. oysters give I up. Can't even yeah, I can't even imagine. They just, they shuck themselves. Like, <laughs> right. And the top shell just like pops off. Like daddy, just like fuck it off. That's right. They're like, fuck it. We don't stand a chance. Yeah. Take me now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know if like, I don't, I'm not sure that there's, okay. Actually, I take that back. I did not fuck with cucumbers. Really? I was not down with cucumbers. That's a new um, one that I've heard because that's like that's a very bland universal veggie. So I'm curious. I know. Well, what, I, I what, was, what, what changed it for you? Uh, my girlfriend has 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 helped enlighten me to the benefits and the force them down your throat until you're like, you know what, this is good. I, after she cuts it, obviously not before. Otherwise, <laughs> that would be that would be a well, very interesting. Yeah. Well, that's for another podcast. There um, was there there was something else too that I'm trying to think of now that. Uh, uh, oh, um, peas. Like green peas. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I kind of like never got it. I never got the point. I realized okay. this is pretty basic shit, but like, I just didn't understand. Like, what's the point, you yeah. know? And now I, I love peas. They're delicious. My favorite thing to do with peas. And if you haven't done this, I'm going to tell you to do it. Um, we make very basic pasta veggie dishes like two, like once a week usually where it's mm-hmm. just like I'll take broccoli, I'll defrost it, I'll saute it with garlic and chili flakes and oil. I make an infused Calabrian chili olive oil myself. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I infuse garlic and um, Calabrian chilies inside of olive oil and I get this really nice, really deep red olive oil. Uh, wow, so beautiful. I'll saute it in that. And then 
I'll throw in the peas kind of towards the end a little bit, but the peas, if I leave them in, they get super hard and tiny and crunchy. Mm, nice. And that adds a layer of texture that is like, what the fuck is this? So they're like little bangers in the dish. It's fucking great. Ooh, love it. So if you, the next time you make a pasta dish and you're sauteing veggies before you throw the pasta in the pan and mix mm-hmm. it all together, mm-hmm. throw in some peas and get them crispy and okay. see and see if you can fuck with that because that's a whole new way to eat peas that I never thought about before. It's, it's just, because peas are weird. Like kids eat them plain because they just get mashed up and right. they can easily cook like that, which is why people always add them at the end because they want them to have that chew. But when I was first doing it, I was like, what happens if I just leave them in the fucking oil and crisp them up? Like, what the fuck? Like, what is going to happen? And I got this amazing crispy texture where it's like almost like when you're eating a salad and people throw in like walnuts, right? And you get that like nice crunch randomly in certain mm-hmm. bites. Like that's what it kind of, that's the purpose that it serves when you've got a nice like layered pasta dish that doesn't really have a lot of like crazy crunch. They're yeah. just nice little layers to put in, but I've actually, I've heard, I've heard peas before. I mean, I actually met, who did I meet recently? Somebody that I was talking to who just doesn't fuck with peas. That's not, that's not as uncommon as you'd think. <laughs> so like, it's, how about you? Is there something you were like definitely against and now you, you um, honestly, I, uh, <laughs> sweet peppers. So uh, I, I love uh, bell peppers. Yeah. Fuck bell peppers. I know, dude. I fuck it. I still to this day don't like people them. like that shit. I eat them because I have to cook them for another person. So I've just gotten uh. used to eating them. But if I had my pick, I would never use them. I just like, useless. My dad used to fucking yell at me because he was like, "There's more vitamin C in a red pepper than there is in an orange." You son of a bitch! Like just like he was trying to, you know, like I, I used. I still to this day I eat raw hot peppers. Like when I cook my sauce, I eat habaneros. Like while You're I'm cooking, mad, man. because I'm insane, right? I'm nuts. I've scorched my fucking tongue nerve endings. But sweet peppers, for some reason, when they're cooked and they're rendered down, it just mm-hmm. made me. It always made me gag when I was a kid. I don't know why. And to they're this gross. day, I order stuff without peppers all the time. Like yeah. and I love hot peppers. It's so weird. But sweet peppers, I just can't do. So that I've I've come a little closer to that because I have to cook it all the time. But like. I've been pretty open mm-hmm. um, for a while. Uni was on my list for a while because I got it from a sketchy sushi restaurant uh, and it didn't taste like good uni. It tasted like how a not clean fish tank smells. <laughs> that's, I don't know how else to describe it. Like that's, that's the best way to describe it. I was yeah. like, I feel like this is not what it's supposed to taste like with all the hype that it's been getting. Like, so that's why I, I understand with uni. It's just, it's, I think because it's so trendy and everybody yeah. loves it. And you're just expected to be like, no, this is good. But like at the end of the day, it's fucking sea urchin. Literally, <laughs> like, I hate it. Like it's the name of it is uni. But you know what it is? It's fucking sea urchins. Like that's literally I mean. in the name. Like in a way, if, if, if uni was not on the mainstream and you just walked up to someone and you're like, Hey, guess what? I don't like uni. And they're like, yeah, all right. Well, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's a sea urchin. So yeah, I guess that, it's a literal fucking bottom feeder. So yeah. All right. Go ahead. Uh, you know, so, like you're eating like, fucking, uh, you know, ele- ev- evolved fucking plankton basically. So like, well, we're all evolved plankton. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. Um, for my, for my philosophy gurus out there, but yeah, I, I, that's, I'm, I'm not, I don't hold sea urchins against you. That's fine. And oysters, I get because oysters also have this reputation of being like an aphrodisiac, which is a hundred percent not true uh, at all. It's actually scientifically proven. It's just, you know, it is similar to, you know, uh, licking a vagina, which is why I think people like them. I mean, that's like, that's, I think what it, the, why it's like an aphrodisiac is it's like the act of it. It's like, you know, you're slurping this thing and it's like slimy. It's like, you know, so 
I get that that's part of the whole process, but like scientifically, no, it's not an aphrodisiac. It's a fucking hard shell fish. What benefits to your blood and body? Like that's not going to pump blood to the areas that you need it to. You know what I mean? It's like when people say that like chocolate is an aphrodisiac, it's not, it's chocolate. Do you know what dairy does to you? Like it's like, like it's fucking chocolate. Like, like, like eat, eat like a, like a pack and a half of reset, wait an hour and a half and then try to get frisky and see what happens. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So like, <laughs> it's like basically like rendering down it's like eating a can of black buttons and then being like, <laughs> and, like and being like you know it's like how about i throw on some fucking Barry Manilow and let's get a little weird like it's it's i've never understood that like i've never understood that i get more i get more pleasure from dishes that are cooked myself that are these long intricate dishes that you finally finish like to me that's more of like an erotic thing than sure. eating some fucking chocolate <laughs> off of somebody's neck <laughs> Like, cause at the end of the day, like Bro, you're body, killing me. it's true though. Like body, body <laughs> chocolate. You're not eating body chocolate for the fucking chocolate. You're eating it to get what's underneath. Like Jesus Christ. Oh my God. I fucking, I did oh a whole God. session on another podcast about that where I talked about sex and food. And that was the one thing that we debunked was all these lists of like aphrodisiacs, like eat veggies, eat like red meat. If you can like eat things that you know are going to increase your nutrients and pump your blood to the areas that you need blood pump to for anywhere between 90 seconds and 40 minutes. <laughs> so, like, de- depending, depending on the day of the week and how tired you are. Um, so but yeah, I don't know. So I just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of fables out there about these fucking foods that we're supposed to quote unquote like, but as we start winding down, as we start winding down, I'm curious, um, the differences in food just really quickly between New York and LA, right. Um, or as it's pr- properly pronounced LA, right. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one word, it's like LA like that. Um, or New York. What was one, what's one thing that you genuinely miss? I mean, I'm assuming the answer uh, that most people give is pizza, but what would be the one thing mm. that you genuinely miss living in Greenpoint and being in Manhattan every yeah. single day that you could just get whenever and you cannot now just because of your location? It's a good question. Um, I think there was, there was some Chinese food. That was pretty amazing in New York. New York Chinese food is is hard to top just because it's like, and it's not Chinese Chinese cuisine. It's New York Chinese food. That's like the category. And and yeah, that's understandable. So, Um, you know, I don't, I don't eat cheese. I don't eat lactose. So pizza was never a thing for me, but I do kind of miss like, I do miss uh, a few Chinese spots for sure. There was one on uh, one in Greenpoint. Oh my god, what was the name of it? Amazing noodles was like I'll take out another one on uh on Fourteenth Street between first and second in Manhattan. This okay. dumpling place they just like churned out dumplings. It was like something like five bucks or really something like that for <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but it was very affordable and they were just all pan fried dumplings, which it's I the, could live on. The best. Yeah, I know. Pan fried dumplings. I grew up only eating uh like not pan fried dumplings kind of just like dumplings that were steamed right so i was used to that kind of a texture when it came to the actual like wrap and then when i first had like pan fried dumplings not pot stickers and not like gyoza i mean like pan fried like Mm -hmm. big like dumplings um that was the first time that i was like 
oh shit, like this took on a new texture, a new flavor, like that crisp that you get a little bit, like it was just, it yeah. was on a whole other level. And I love New York Chinese food so much. Like I love New York Chinese food because I, obviously I grew up eating it, uh, you know, <laughs> obviously, but uh, outside of that, it's just, it's, it's one of those like comfort things. I think that a lot of people, you know, instantly just kind of go to as like mm-hmm. a default, you know, it's like a, it's like a comfort food that you just, you know, and you have this like vision of it. It's got this whole culture behind it with, you know, the, the containers and like the boxes and like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's unlike a lot of, a lot of it's, other things. So. It's very comforting for sure. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what this food scene in New York is these days, but when I left the one thing that you still could not get in New York was good Mexican food. You can get good Mexican food. You can't get the kind of like tacos that you would get in LA. I'll tell you that. Like I know for a fact that you can't, we can't fuck with LA when it comes to tacos um, at all. And you can get, you can get good Mexican food in, you know, uh, New York, but not to the level of like the West coast or out Mm -hmm. in, even in the Southwest, you know, because it was just part of their culture. Like in the Southwest, a breakfast for a lot of people who are not, you know, uh, Mexican or anything like that, you know, was just like, you know, they'll make eggs with like a little bit of rice and like some black beans. And then like, they'll top it with like, you know, a salsa, like Herdez or something like that, you know, and that's like a good Southwest breakfast or like breakfast burritos, right? Fuck. Like breakfast burritos are so common in the West and they're not here. And it pisses me off Mm. so much because like when I brought Brittany out to Colorado for the first time to meet my godmother, the one thing that I requested that we get that I wanted more than anything else in the entire world was a breakfast burrito. And I wanted her to have an actual breakfast burrito. Mm -hmm. And she did. And she was like, yeah, this is not like anything that we get back on. Like, no, it's not. And that's, it's, we still to this day can't find anything like it. So now we'll, we're going to uh, reverse it. So now something in LA, not Mm -hmm. Mexican food, not tacos, right? Something in LA that you just cannot get in New York that you're happy that you're based on the West coast now. I mean, aside from like in and out burger and shit like that. I mean, that's like, you know, obviously that's, I mean, I had in and out in San Francisco for the first time mm-hmm. and I, I what'd you think? I get it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm it was, it was, no, 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 no. It, I don't, I don't want that to sound underwhelming. I, we, you know, we ordered it animal style. We did all that. It was fucking great. It was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. That I also have five guys around here. And so five guys yeah. is a little bit different but it's on the same level of like over here being like, this is unlike any other burger joint. Like, yeah. I think, I think five guys is the closest, uh, the closest competitor to in and out more so than Shake Shack. Really? Well, Shake Shack is, I've never seen Shake Shack on that same level. I've eaten at Shake Shack a lot Yeah, and I've never seen it on the in and out level to me. You're like, you're I don't saying, think it is. Yeah, no, it's exactly what you're saying to me. It's always been like five guys was, at that level for me, like when mm-hmm. I went to San Francisco and I ate in and out, I was like, yeah, this is similar to the feeling that I get when I eat five guys. Like that's just, it was just <laughs> on that level. Um, yeah. That being said, I do understand why everybody freaks out over in and out. Like a, a little known fact about Anthony Bourdain, that was his ritual. Every time he went to LA, he would go to the LAX in and out yep. and he would just have a fucking sloppy animal style burger every fucking time with the green chilies. And you know, so yeah, it's, 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 I will say this to people. I get that not everyone's going to love it, but like have it if you have the opportunity, just eat it. Like mm-hmm. whether you're in Texas or whether you're on the West coast, whatever, just eat it. If you can, um, it tastes better. I think of the California sun, but <laughs> there's a song right there. Um, <laughs> there's a song, that song right there. Yeah. It, it tastes better in the California sun. 
Um, I think that one's for you to write. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone from New York who's been to California <laughs> as many times as he can count on his hand. Yeah. I'm gonna write that. Um, it's kind of like the band from LA called the Bronx. <laughs> like it's by the way, a great fucking band. They were in, they, they got popular because of the thug two soundtrack, believe it or not, uh, mm. which is not surprising, but um, you know, Tony Hawk gave a lot of bands, big, big, big uh, breaks, but yeah, they're literally a band from LA called the Bronx. And I'm like, and I was even looking up, I wanted to look up like their origins. I'm like, is one of them from the Bronx? Like, why are they called the Bronx? Like, I mm-hmm. wouldn't usually care if I wasn't from New York and I didn't work in the Bronx every day, but I do. So like, I'm like, I'm really curious about that. But uh, anyway, so back to your, back to your question, something in LA that yeah. you cannot get in New York. You know, food wise. Food wise. Yeah. I think that there's, and I, I think it's probably, it has penetrated new york to some degree i think like that restaurant um what is it blue hills farm uh, that's, stone, that's actually not far from me that's only about 15 minutes from my house that's um blue hill at stone barns yeah right i think to some degree you know they have what they have this kind of like california f- farm kind of farm approach. to table yeah farm to table kind of approach yeah and i think that is something that that did start in California. It did start um, at uh, what is it, Chez Panisse? I think. I think, right? I think that's where I start. Yeah, and I you, you're right. Like Blue Hill Stone Barns is so expensive here because there are not a lot of places like that. I mean, mm-hmm. one person without alcohol will easily spend. I think it's like two hundred and fifty dollars there. Yeah, but you're getting I've never been. you're getting a crazy meal that is all from that land. Like it's unbelievable. That kind of dining, though, is more frequent in California. Like it is, and it has been for a long I th- time. I think you know, there's like, there is to some degree. There's just there are obviously agricultural differences between California and New York, and I think that is one of the things that I, I that it, that is really wonderful about this state is you have some pretty amazing produce. You have a lot of different types of produce. You can grow a lot of different things. And well, that's what the climate kind of benefits in a way, because like you have the opportunity to grow things. Like if you're growing wine on the West coast, right. Mm -hmm. And you're growing Pinot grapes, which from what I understand are somewhat temperamental for Pinot grapes, you know, it's, it's the actual cool breeze, like from the ocean that does like affect that, you know, like things are built around that. And so having that kind of a climate, it changes. And I'm not talking about like Northern, Northern California, because that's basically like, you know, fucking New York, uh, but you know, um, I'm talking like, you know, mid to Southern California. It's just, or even like, even like San Francisco, like Napa Valley, places like that, where it's that specific kind of a, te- kind of a climate that you can only grow and do certain things there like mm-hmm. that. You know, it's like, um, I had a guest on, uh, my friend Ralph was also a musician and he was in Nashville for a long time. And he was like, it's weirdest thing, but like the temperate climate in Nashville, it's similar to Greece as far mm. as the humidity and the temperatures and stuff like that. So my first question was, why the fuck hasn't somebody started a Nashville olive oil company, right? And like growing actual olives in that climate when you know they would thrive, right? Um, not going to be the same soil as, you know, certain parts of Greece. You're going to have, you know, uh, mildly uh, music influenced slash somewhat racist soil uh, so I don't know what kind of a, i don't know what kind of a, what kind of an olive oil they're going to produce i say that no disrespect to anybody in nashville i know not everyone's anyway um <laughs> but uh 
Yeah. So I think that the climate in California has a lot to do with that too. And it's also what distincts, I think, New York from a lot of other places that people forget is that it's not so much the cuisine, it's the availability, For which sure. I'm sure you experience. Like you can pretty much get anything you want at any time. In and that, and that in and of itself is an experience, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, especially for you, like a transplant who moves from fucking LA and then all of a sudden you're studying in New York and yeah. you're there for like years. That's got to yeah. be like mind blowing. For sure. I think, yeah, the, you know, like would that Chinese food taste as good if you hadn't walked there? If it wasn't, you know, beautifully 90 degrees at night and humid as shit and you're hungover as fuck already and you happen to walk by this Chinese place that you happen to live nearby, I'll bet that wouldn't taste as good. No, it's and everything, I think, everything like that factors in yeah. everything and everything is singular like that. Everything is a unique experience. Like you look at my shirt and you see black. I look at my shirt and I see black. We both agree that it's black, but the actual color that's processing through your eye and through your brain to see that this is black is literally only singular to you. Like you're the only one in the world that sees this black as this, as what you're seeing it. So like all stuff really does factor in like that food would not taste as good if you didn't walk to get it and you didn't feel like dying, you know, like it's, you know, like it wouldn't taste as good. So yeah, yeah. I think like you said, that in, the, in itself is a fucking experience for New York where when you go to other places, then yeah, not like let down, but like when I went to go visit uh, my cousin, um, in Max in Chicago, when he was going to school, mm-hmm. um, it was weird because it was like 1130 and we were walking around like the, the, the center, what are the city center, whatever the fuck they call it, the circle, the loop. I don't know what the fuck they call it out there, but like, we're walking around this area and a lot of shit is closed and I'm looking at my cousin. I'm like, the fuck. He's like, yeah, Chicago, man. It's not New York. I'm just like, I don't like that. I was just like, I was like, damn. I was like, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I was like, shit. I was like, things like close down in other cities. And, you know, you're always going to have nightclub scenes in multiple cities. But like, as far as like restaurants and places to eat yeah. and like things to do, New York has it in sheer volume that a lot of places and a lot of any other places don't really, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I think what adds on to it. So it's not necessarily that the cuisine in New York is necessarily better. Like there are things I think that New York does better than everybody else, but It's more about the experience of jumping into that kind of world, I think. Yeah, I think that is largely what I found, you know, what New York offers a lot of the time is our experiences that you just, you cannot have anywhere else. And Did you you find that your music changed when you were living in New York? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I miss the most about New York is I think in order to just survive, like to not get hit by a car to not like, you know, fall into a subway car. There's just, there's a basic level of alertness that you have to maintain. Yeah. You got to walk fast and you got to be awake. (laughs) Yeah. And that isn't the, that isn't the case here, you know? And I think that is extremely helpful for the artistic process because it, it just has your brain operating at a level that is, it's so conducive to, to creating. And, and I do sometimes like you can harvest that in yourself and you can work to kind of get there, but I do miss how kind of easy it is in New York. It really brings that out, you know? Well, you're welcome back anytime. The city would, and, the, the state would love to have you. So that's for sure. And you, you got to come out here. I know, you gotta need- I know. Well, one thing we talked about, especially is once we have a kid, we're not going to be one of those couples that 
doesn't think you can travel with a kid the opposite actually mm-hmm. like we want to travel when we have a kid like a lot for sure like i want to bring the kid to california i want to bring him to scotland like i want to i want to go to these places and uh just those two places nowhere else and, uh, <laughs> over and over <laughs> over again. and over and over again until i buy a castle in scotland um but um like you know so i, I, I don't know i feel like exposure to different places like that like what you did yeah it's vital in a way. It's like, I, I never had the opportunity to move away while going to college and not just moving away like 300 miles. I, you moved coast to coast, which is amazing for you. It was a little bit, I feel like more seamless because you had spent so much time in for New sure. York and your mom spent so much time in New York and your grandma lived there, you know? So like, yeah. um, and I don't know. I feel like for some people who are, where it's completely foreign, mm-hmm. they don't always have the same experience to where they can, they've already been, desensitized a little bit to certain things in New York, like the shocking things, like the first time you run into like a psychotic, like homeless person or the first time, you know, you taste like a dirty water hot dog or something like that, you know, like <laughs> things, things like that, where to people who are not at all from New York and they've never been, it could probably mm-hmm. be like a little bit of a, a shock, I would say. But um, I, as you know, because you lived in New York, people classify New Yorkers as like rude, right? I wouldn't say that they're rude. I say that they're in a hurry. All I'd the say time. they're goal oriented. There you go. That's a, that's, <laughs> that is the nicest description of a New Yorker I have ever heard a non New Yorker say. But like, I heard the same shit before Brittany and I went to Paris on our honeymoon. And honestly, I've been treated better. I've been treated worse in New York. Paris is just like New York. First of all, it's just as expensive, if not more expensive. And mm-hmm. it's a bunch of people trying to live their lives while you're schlepping in front of them, looking at some historic thing that they walk by every day. And they're like, get the fuck out of my way. I need to get to work. Like that's, that's Paris. And that's also New York. So like that whole classification that people in Paris are like rude. It's, it's not at all. Like it's not the case, but, um, I don't know. I mean, that's why it's the same thing as like people are like, yeah, but what if you go over there and you can't speak the language and they get frustrated? I'm like, because no store owner in New York has ever been frustrated when somebody didn't speak it. I'm like, don't give me that shit. I'm like, that's no, don't give, that's not, this is a bullshit excuse. So New York has this kind of like energy to it, which as you said, it's, it's a combination of like speed and alertness at the same mm-hmm. time. And that can kind of fire off different signals in your mind, I think. So like, Definitely. What did you notice as far as like what you started listening to? Like, did that change when you oh, came to for New sure. York? Because oh, I remember, yeah. I remember your progression from the amazing cowboy boots and tight leather pants, and you know, <laughs> open fur coat with no shirt like that. Yeah. I remember that Sam on stage and just in general. And then I, I remember, that, and I remember, <laughs> and then I remember coming to see you in Brooklyn and being like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Bob Dylan right here. This is like, well, you know. It's funny because what happened, you know, I, I had no intention on going to college and the singer in my band ended up not being able to continue playing in the band. And I was like, on the day I had to decide whether I was going to college or not. I was like, fuck it. I don't have a band anymore. I might as well go. And it was right around that time too that I started getting really bad migraines mm. and I couldn't listen to, to rock music. I couldn't listen to loud music anymore. And I just kind of ended up going back to what I was raised on, which was like Neil Young and Bob Dylan and these country records and this stuff that just happened to like be not quite as loud and more bearable for me at that time in my life. And I think it just kind of grew from there. But eventually, you know, that was like a pretty rough year for me in terms of migraines. And fortunately, after that, they got a lot better. And then I was listening to like a lot of dance music, 
a lot of like the kills. I remember just walking down the streets in New York, listening to the kills, feeling so fucking mean, you know, like, come on, you like, I, I could take anybody right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny. Cause like, I don't know if, if it, and that music, like that music is, it may have been made in New York. I think it was, but even if it wasn't, it is built for New York, yeah. you know, same thing with dance music. Dance music is like so fitting for walking around New York. It really is. Um, I mean, and I love yeah. the fact that a lot of people are not as open to change when mm. it comes to their own influences. Like I know a lot of people, musicians specifically actually, who will stick with the same kind of genre and listen to that. And that's it like exclusively. Right. And they don't let any other, they don't let any walls kind of come down to let other music kind of in. Mm. And a lot of those people play the kind of music that you used to play, uh -huh. which is why I find it so interesting that you completely gave into the process of like, maybe I'm changing as a human. Like maybe I'm changing mm. myself, maybe, or maybe I'm just evolving, you know, whatever it may be. And you kind of leaned into it a little bit and it gave you a new sound to your music. Yeah. And it gave you your voice too, because I hadn't really ever heard you sing until you really started making more music like that. And especially yeah. with Amity the Kid. And I I don't know. It just it, it it seems like you leaned into that process a little bit. I think for me, like I understand this now after thinking about it recently, really. But like for me, I think music has always been a place where I feel like I could be my true self because there were places in my life where I felt I couldn't be outside of music. Right. And I think, you know, as a kid growing up, um, I was pretty shy and I was pretty, um, you know, insular. And for me, hearing rock music and then going from there, all types of music, it was a place where I could be as loud or as big as I wanted to be. And I didn't get in trouble for it. Yeah. Everyone was like, Hey, you're doing great. That sounds awesome. That's what you should be doing if you're doing this kind of music. And it was this kind of safe place to be in many ways, you know, truer or at least different versions of myself that I couldn't permit myself to be outside of music. Outside of the music, yeah. And I think for me, like, music has always been that for me. It's been a place to, to explore, yeah. Which it should be. I mean, music and food go so hand in hand for me. Mm -hmm. I, right before the pandemic, actually, I have a musician friend, uh, Kate, who's got a really good band named Monty. She's an incredible guitarist and songwriter. And um, we were planning on doing this whole day of shooting where we were going to shop and then cook a certain meal and then see what kind of vibes we were getting from the meal and then write music based off of that meal. Like write music that we thought was fitting for the food that we had just cooked. Right. Cool. And the reason that we wanted to do that and the reason that I still think there's a connection between music and food is because there's such similar worlds as far as what you were just talking about. It allows you to express yourself as loud or as soft as you want yeah. with no outside judgment. And even if you write a song and record it and you don't release it to anybody, it can still give you the same satisfaction as if a million people heard it. You know? Yeah. I think like rebellion has always been a big element of cooking, right? Like right. even for certain kinds of chefs. Yeah. I mean, going against the grain and shit. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that's like, 
I mean, certain certain places I could say no. I mean, if people train to be a classic French culinary, you know, chef de cuisine, sure. you know, they're going to stick with that for their life. And I get that. But then there's people like David Chang, who opens up, you know, Momofuku in the city as this weird, small, uncomfortable open kitchen place that's playing like the kinks and like the dead boys and like seventies punk and shit. And the whole point of that was to break barriers of what people thought good food quote unquote should be. It wasn't just white tablecloths anymore. So there's always going to be chefs like that, that kind of go against the grain I'd say and musicians the same way as well. So, but I just, there's, there's this connection between music and food that I've been desperately trying to make for so long. And like, I know it's there. And I think that's what kills me is I'm trying to find the right kind of a combination between the mm-hmm. two. And mm-hmm. I'm in like constant search of that. But I do agree with you that uh, you touched upon this earlier. And uh, before we start closing out, I wanted to mention this. You had talked about the, this uh, factor of like embarrassment of like listening mm-hmm. to certain kind of music and stuff. And I felt that like a lot because I was in a, you know, a punk ska reggae band and stuff. And I couldn't always show everybody I was surrounded with the kind of music that I was kind of starting to listen to a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And what really got me into letting that in was when I went to college at Purchase and I would spend, you know, late night, night courses. And I was there until 10 PM and it was dark and I'm walking around this bare bone, empty campus by myself. And I allowed myself to finally like listen to this like, you know, kind of music that I wanted to. And there's this really, really good folk musician named Alexi Murdoch, who mm-hmm. is a Scottish fellow. And he writes these beautiful songs, usually in like open tunings. And he's got this deep, mildly raspy kind of sultry voice. It's fucking great. And I couldn't show that to people that I was surrounded by, especially my, you know, musician friends, because I knew that I'd be like, I would feel embarrassed. And I'd be like, I know for a fact they would just like shit on this if they heard mm. it. And so once I let that go mm-hmm. and I was just like, yeah, I just, I listen to fucking anything. I don't care. Right. Like I just, now I just let it loose. Like now it's like my Spotify is a fucking mess. But um, once you can do that, yeah. it changes everything. Well, it makes sense. Cause you know, music, especially when we're younger in our lives, I think music really helps us define ourselves. you know, like music is often this place where we look to when we're young for better understanding who we are ourselves and who we might want to be. And it can be scary when you say, okay, I listen to rock music and I accept all the implications of listening to rock music, how I dress, how I talk, how I, you know, interact with people, what I listen to. And then, okay, now, like, if you like dance music, well, what does that mean for who you are? Right. And that can be, you know, that's, that can be, it's a trend. It's a transitional it's, thing. It's, it's off putting to yourself. At first. Well, yeah, it's, it's frightening, I think. And ultimately like that, that is at least for me, why music has been so important in my life. This constant like elimination of, of who maybe I thought I was in an effort to, or unknowingly at the time, reach a place of being more truly myself. Right. Which that approach alone is just proof that you're going to continue making great fucking music because (laughs) it's true because you have a different mindset than a lot of other people who get into a groove and want to stick in the same lane. Like it's not like, like the fact that 
you finished this new song, which is fucking great, which we're going to close out the podcast, uh, hopefully listening to it. And if you guys, if it doesn't work for some reason on Anchor, by the way, guys, and you can't hear it, uh, go to Spotify and uh, listen to All My Friends Will Die in the End by Calamity the Kid. Um, but uh, like you, you already have that open-mindedness that's required to evolve, I guess you could say. Wow. And from, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> so it's true, like, which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on because your whole approach, and this whole podcast has been proof of it, your approach, whether it be to cooking or food or life or whatever – you're open to going with the flow. You're open to saying, okay, this is not in my lane at all. Right. And you're just like, and you still go in. I mean, that's like, that's the approach that people should have, you know, don't be afraid and don't shy away from things that, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's like you said, what is it? Face the fear, right. Or like, uh, follow the fear, follow the fear. That's exactly how people, that's exactly how people should be living, whether it's cooking, music, food, life, whatever, like it doesn't matter. And it's expensive. Yes, it is. It's and it's ever changing, and it's 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 something that I've grown to appreciate a lot more. And I've actually been I haven't written a song in a very long time because historically I really only wrote songs um, when I was you know like depressed and like single and like I was kind of going through it because you know it helped me get out feelings that I wanted to get out easier. But um, when you're, you know, in a healthy relationship and you're like content, some people don't find it as easy to transition to, okay, well, I can't write that kind of music anymore. Like, it's similar to how like, you know, Eminem is like pushing 50 and like, no one wants to hear the, uh, the depressing, I'm going to kill myself kind of songs that he sang when he was 22. It's like, you need to sometimes evolve with yeah. where you're at in your life, maybe because it'll, it'll better align your actual creative tendencies, I think. But, you know, again, yeah. maybe. I mean, there's also certain people who, you know, who, who don't live like that and they just keep making the same kind of goddamn music and it just works, you know, like fucking Alice Cooper. Um, but <laughs> but he's, he's one. He still fucking tours, by the way. He still kicks ass when he tours. It's crazy. The dude's like 73 and he's still fucking Good for him, killing it with the fucking snakes and the tight pants. I'm like, you know, like he looks a little bit like an old woman, but aside from that, he, you know. He and again, so did Tyler. He, oh my God, Steven Tyler's been, he's looked like an old woman since the 90s. So this is just like, this is like on a whole other level. Uh, now he's a MILF. Yeah, he's, 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 uh, yeah, maybe not a MILF in the, <laughs> in the I factor, like I personally, maybe not like the id. I don't know about that, but yeah, no, definitely. He's, he's in that category. I think finally. MILF with a Y. MILF with a Y. There you go. MILF, you like to fuck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's good. Uh, somebody's been on Pornhub. No. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, Christ. The amount of times I've said Pornhub on the show, they should fucking cut me a check. All right. Um, regardless. <laughs> Sponsorship, baby. Sponsorship. So before we close out, uh, do you have any last things you want to say? Do you have anything you want to ask me? Anything like that? Like open open forum. You could say anything. It could be about life. It could be about music, food, anything you want. I, I do have a question for you. I was thinking about this in the shower where I feel like I, I get all my best work done. I would hope you only think of me in the shower. That's, that's, my, <laughs> that's my preference. But right, uh, Well, today, today that is true. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, thinking about, I was thinking about inspiration today and I was thinking about um, when I first started cooking, I thought of cookbooks as being something – good cooks and good chefs don't use, mm. you know, it's like, well, if you know how to cook, you don't need a cookbook. Mm. And I've realized that cookbooks are like our Bibles, right? They're like gifts from God. Right. And there's this like, there's this history tied up in cookbooks 
And by reading a recipe and trying it and changing it, you're participating in this history. And my question for you is like, where do you find inspiration outside of a cookbook? Like, where do these ideas come from for you? And, and where do you think they come from? You know, it usually, if it's something that already exists that I've seen outside of a cookbook, like if it's a, on YouTube or if it's something that I've seen or I've uh, on Instagram that I've seen a local restaurant make this, then that stuff is pretty easy to pinpoint. But when it's stuff that I create, it usually comes yeah. out of, out of self frustration of not getting what I want. Mm. Uh, like with other I, dishes. Yeah. Or anything like when I made my hot sauce, I made my hot sauce because I had had a hot sauce that was made in Brooklyn from a great company called Queen Majesty. My wife and I blew through the whole bottle pretty quickly and it was black coffee and red habanero. Mm. And it was really good. And it was the first time I'd ever had coffee and something like that, mm. but it was very sharp. It was red coffee. It was black coffee, red habanero. It was very just kind of like it was in your face. Right. Mm-hmm. I wanted like a little brightness, like how mango habanero has that, but I wanted that kind of coffee influence which is why my sauce is now like a tropical coffee habanero because I'm getting everything that I want because I made it. And I don't think anyone else makes a tropical coffee habanero hot sauce. I've looked it up. I think I may be one of the only ones right now, which is fucking great. You know, Um, it's funny because like I love that idea of a tropical hot sauce. It's like when you think of the tropics and you think of the beach or the jungle, you think of the food that's associated with those those parts of the world, a lot of the times they're really hot, right? For like – sanitary reasons, literally technical reasons why there are chilies in these dishes. But I have never heard anyone describe or express a hot sauce as tropical, but it's so logical. So I think you're really onto something. I, I would hope so. I mean, I uh, I have to I have to probably trademark it at some point. Um, but uh, I mean, I, that's the problem also with recipes. It's so hard to really trademark and copyright. Yeah. Like you can copyright the process of a recipe, but if somebody changes a few ingredients, like you're fucked. Sure. Like that's it. It's just that's how it is, and that's how recipes you know have gone. Every recipe I've written, because for my new show Five Ingredients, I have to write recipes from scratch. And I have to do it based off how I've cooked them. And I forget that sometimes like the first dish I, <laughs> I uh, gave this poor, lovely uh, couple who lives in Connecticut, um, the recipe that I use for my pasta, olie, right. Which is like less than five ingredients, but I put the amount of chili flakes that I usually use. <laughs> and she recorded her husband eating it as part of the review and he's playing it. And he's just like, yeah, it's pretty good. Little, <coughs> little spicy. Um, yeah, my mouth's on fire. I can't eat this. And like, <laughs> and that was like the first episode. It's fucking hilarious. And I forget now I'm learning that when you write a recipe like that, you really need to think of like a mass public, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, I mean the hot sauce that I'm, that I sling and that I make is, it came from me not getting what I wanted. And when there's sure. a dish that I wanted to make, I, in, I include ingredients that I think will taste good. Things that'll give it like a nice crunch. Like we made a baked ziti the other night. Not really. I ziti. saw. Yeah, we used rigatoni because rigatoni is better. Uh, everybody should be using rigatoni. Rigatoni is king. It's king. It's got the grooves that ziti doesn't have. It's bigger. It's fatter. It's got a better chew. You shouldn't be using ziti. Ziti is a fucking condom of a noodle. Everything just slides <laughs> off it. Like it's true. It's like even when you you ever gone and eat like a pasta dish that's got ziti and you pick it up and then all of a sudden it's like this. It just everything falls off and you're just eating ziti. It's like the most frustrating <laughs> fucking thing. It's the most frustrating thing ever. But um, okay, so as we close out, I do want to thank you so Dude, much. It's, 
it's uh it's been amazing and i'm gonna do something with you that i used to do and i haven't in a bunch of episodes uh we're gonna play fuck mary kill really quickly oh god but it's gonna be fuck mary kill with food and it's gonna be ingredients or seasonings or spices anything you want i'm not gonna give you any you have to tell me which ones you would want to fuck which ones you want to marry which ones you want to kill one that you would have like a dirty one night stand with and have to limp away. You know, I'm going to do that in another two months, even though I'm telling myself I'm not going to right. And then a merry one that you could eat every day of your life. And then one that you would happily throw into the garbage, knowing that it is erasing itself from existence forever. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, what would I love to just, just throw in the trash can and never have to look at it again. Honestly. Yeah. I know that one. I would love to kill the supermarket red tomato the supermarket red tomato yes why is that if you don't mind me asking or is it just you thrust you out like what like of course there are exceptions but for the most part the red tomato at the supermarket it tastes like nothing it's yeah. it's literally just water yeah pretty much because they so, are they're meant to be stored for a long amount of time and if they haven't been gassed and made to look red um, you know, it's still, they've just been sitting and sitting and they, they lose their flavor, you know? So yeah, I, I, I can understand why somebody would say that. That's, that's totally understandable. So I'm going to kill the red tomato. I will fuck pork belly Hell any yeah. day of the week oh, forever. Pork belly is one of my favorite things in the entire But world. I feel like if I were to marry that, you would know. die at like 45 of, of, uh, congested arteries, but yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And then, okay, so what will I marry here? Um, How specific does it have to be? Like pasta is too general, I think, right? Well, no, you can say pasta, but you can be as specific or as broad as you want. I think uh, right now I would marry that pasta dish that I described to you. I'm going to try that. It's got everything you need. It's got spinach. Like I'm literally waiting. I'm waiting until we finish so I can literally go to Brittany and be like, there's a dish we have to make like next week. Like I'm literally, I'm so you have to, and you have to tell me what you put in as far as like the produce or whatever. So I can kind of eyeball it. But we both love pasta and we love risotto. I can't see us not liking that at all. Like what's, what's so wonderful is like when you at the end, right, you cook it down, you cook all the broth, you cook the broth down so that you still have, like, you got to have some. It's got to be liquidy, you know? And then like at the end of your plate, when you're finished eating it and you're in your, the bottom of your bowl, it looks like you just, like you have a tablespoon of butter, but there's no butter. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's It's this like rich broth. Yeah. It's this rich broth that you get the fat from the chicken stock. It's all that. It's fucking, I I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Oh man. Anyway. All right. So this has been pretty much the quintessential kind of episode that I love. I mean, this has been amazing. It's been, this is why I wanted to bring you on. You have one of the best minds of anybody that I know when it comes to cooking or food or just life in general. So I'm genuinely happy that we got to, we got to catch up and we will absolutely catch up again. This has been, uh, like I said, it's weird for me because I don't usually bring people on that I've known for that many years. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's strange, but um, it's unfortunate that we live on opposite coasts, but that'll, believe me, that won't stop us from seeing each other again. So this has um, been wonderful. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and, and I hope, I hope we can cook together sometime we're gonna, soon. We're going to cook together. Trust me. It's, that's, that's, that's going to happen. I'm a, uh, you know, if my plans are correct, then uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be traveling a lot. So, um, but so uh, for anybody listening, uh, if you haven't listened to Calamity the Kid, go on Spotify, listen to Calamity the Kid. I'm going to put the links 
to Sam's new single and Calamity the Kids Instagram and everything else in the description. It's going to be in the bio. There's going to be a link in my bio to the single, anything you need. Um, so listen to Calamity the Kid. All of my friends will die in the end, which is what you're going to be hearing now, hopefully. And if for some reason this podcast just ends, you're already in Spotify. So just go and look up Calamity the Kid. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Sam, again. Thank you, on. man. It's been and, a pleasure. Uh, everybody stay classy, stay spicy, and I will see you on the next one.